Well, good morning. Uh, appreciate, uh, appreciate that you guys are all signed in and logged in. Appreciate the even seeing a few faces here, just the, the support staff to, to help make this thing function right. Um, it's exciting to be able to do this, but it's a little, it's a little intimidating to do it this way because I, I kind of like to have the feedback and the, the expressions of people sitting here. I don't really get so much of that, but nevertheless, I'm glad you're, I'm glad you're with us at home. You know, sometimes when we, when we, when we do these uh, speaking engagements, people say, you know, if you're nervous, sometimes it helps to picture people in their underwear. And, and it occurred to me this morning coming in to do this that there's a good chance a lot of our audience is just sitting at home in their underwear right now. And, and uh, it's actually not as helpful to think about that as people will tell you it is. So um, I, I'm glad you're, you're at home in the comfort of your home and whether you're in your pajamas or in your Sunday best, either way, uh, appreciate that you're you're signed on with us. What a, what a marvelous thing that we can do this. Uh, and so I, I appreciate that. And I appreciate you being part of our, our, our fellowship this morning. I hope that it's a blessing to you. Uh, as Mike said, my name is Ben. I'm, I'm Ben Keller. Uh, I am one of the uh, elder board members here at The Rock right now. And it's, it's, it's my privilege. Uh, Pastor Try and Pastor Mike asked me if I would uh, do this fifth Sunday uh, message. And, and it's, a, it's a neat one because uh, we are... Uh, bringing to an end, a close to our, our last several weeks of, of study. Um, for the last several months, we've been going over different building blocks of our faith. And, and I'm not sure if you can see, we've got a, a stack of blocks down here, the stack of stones that memorialize where we've been for the past uh, almost three months now. Um, Ephesians 2, uh, See if the, the slides will keep up with me. Ephesians 2, 19 through 22 says, Consequently, you're no longer foreigners and strangers, but fellow citizens with God's people and also members of his household. Key in here. Built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets with Christ Jesus himself as the chief cornerstone. In him, the whole building is joined together and rises to become a holy temple in the Lord. And in him, you too are being built together to become a dwelling in which God lives by his spirit. This passage gives us this, this picture of us being built up, being built up uh, first on the foundation of Christ and his apostles and notice that Christ is the cornerstone there. That's that foundational piece. And in him, the whole building is joined together and rises up to become a holy temple. Now there's two components to this passage. In verse 21, it says, in him, the whole building is joined up. That's referring to capital C church. That's referring to the, the whole uh, congregation of believers. And there's a second part of that. In verse 22, he says, and in him, you too are being built up. That's us more individually. So there's a component here. And I want to remind us of that as we go through this this morning, that there's an application for us individually. And there's a, an application in this for us as a congregation that we should be able to, um, to see both being true. You know, as a board, we've been kicking around this um, this kind of catchphrase to, to identify what it is we're trying to do here. And, and it's, it, the words we're using is transformational maturity, creating irresistible community. And the idea behind that is as God transforms us as individuals, those individuals create this community that becomes irresistible to other people. And then, and then through that community, more individuals are transformed by God. So, so there's this individual component and a congregational component. And we see that in this Ephesians uh, passage, and we're going to see that throughout the, the uh, message for us today. 
So here's where we've been. For the past uh, 11, 11 uh, sermons, we've, we've been through uh, all these different topics. And last week, Pastor Mike walked us through endurance. And if you recall, he, he, he taught us that in order to endure, we've got to have that hope before us. Without that, without that hope that we're, we're striving for, it's tough to endure. And, and Christ is that hope. Uh, before that, we went through service. And that was really neat to, to, to hear Pastor Try talk to us about service, right when we were kind of all of a sudden faced with this coronavirus uh, pandemic where we're, all of a sudden we realize we really need to help each other out. And one way we can do that is what we're doing right here, right now, where, where you're at your, at your house, uh, not here in a crowded room, and, and that's one way to serve others. And Pastor Mike just invited us to different ways we can get on board to serve. Uh, I'm not going to talk about each of these, but hospitality, generosity, community, uh, transformation, discipleship, gospel, truth, prayer. These are all the different things we've been talking about the, the, the past several weeks. And the first one, what kicked us off with Pastor Try was the cornerstone. That's our, our fundamental foundational building block is, is Jesus Christ. That is our cornerstone. We just sang that in a song, just reminding us that if we build upon him, we're, we're headed in the right direction. The cornerstone, uh, and when, when, uh, the Bible is delivering this picture, this imagery of the cornerstone. It's not just a flat rock that sits in the corner. It's actually a rock that's designed for other foundational stones to kind of lock into it. And as, and as stones go up, they still kind of lock into that cornerstone. And it, it directs the whole building. It lines everything up and, and keys everything in. So that's the most important piece. We start with that at the bottom and we work our way up. And that gets us to where we are today. Today is the, the capstone, the final piece, the, the crescendo of our faith, if you will. That's, remember, that's what we're building. We're building our faith in our lives here, faith in our, our individual lives and, and, and just how it looks in our church congregationally. So the capstone is significant because the capstone serves many purposes. It's the protector of the structure beneath it. It, it kind of holds all the pieces together and it, it has this element of finality. You, you can't build on top of the capstone. Typically a capstone is gonna be kind of uh, arched or, or to a point to, to shed water and weather and things to protect things beneath it. So you can't build on top of it. So it, it gives this final element of, of finality and, and a, a picture of what it's really supposed to look like in the end. So today we're going to discover what that capstone is in our faith. It's important for us as created beings to, to kind of seek out that finality in our lives. What is it that fulfills us, that satisfies us ultimately? And, and we strive for different things to try to fill in that blank. And hopefully what we see today, what we learn through the, the passages we're going to look at, is that it's, it's not just Christ, but it's the glory of Christ. It's, it's God's glory that becomes our capstone. That's what we want to shelter over the structure that is our faith. Um, I want to tell you a little bit about a guy named Jerry. So back in 1996, Jerry kind of had it all together. He had this killer job. He was great at what he did. He... he he was uh, admired by his peers. Um, Jerry had a beautiful wife. Um, and, and, and things just seemed to be going really well for Jerry. But, but Jerry had uh, 
uh, he had kind of a difficulty prioritizing things well. And things started to kind of fall apart on Jerry. And, and in fact, Jerry and his wife separated and things were just kind of icy between them. And, and Jerry had this, this huge breakthrough at work. And all of a sudden, what seemed to be kind of teetering was all of a sudden really good and, and, and uh, fruitful in his workplace. And it all happened kind of one night. And so Jerry was excited about this, but he had this sense of emptiness, even in this great victory. The sense of, you know, things are back on top, but I still just don't feel right because he was disconnected from his wife. So he goes home and he walks in. His wife's got this crowd of other friends in the, in the, in the house with her. And, he, and she's, she's hurt by him. So she's kind of holding him at a distance in the room. He says, all right, well, if this is the spot, you know, here it is. And he, and he tells her how much he loves her. He tells her how, how empty his victories were because she wasn't there. And he says to her, you complete me. I got a hunch at this point, you probably have figured out the Jerry I'm talking about, right? So, so Jerry is from a movie, right? And in the context of the movie, it was his wife that fulfilled him, that completed him. And in, in reality, what we're going to discover today is that's kind of a neat picture in Hollywood, but that doesn't actually work in our lives. And you get bonus points if you're on Facebook and, and, and your YouTube and you can put in the comments how Jerry's wife responded to him, what she said back to him. Uh, anyway, so, so what, what Jerry was after was this, this final element, this final piece to, to bring finality to what he felt like he was missing. And it, everything he'd accomplished wasn't enough. And in the movie, the true love was that missing piece. In our lives that's still gonna leave us empty because that's of this world. And what we're gonna learn is the things of this world cannot ultimately satisfy or fulfill us. So we're gonna spend some time in Colossians today, Colossians chapter two. Uh, and, and I'm just going to read through several verses here, then we'll kind of come back and explore these a little bit more. So Colossians 2, uh, verses 6 through 10. So then, just as you received Christ Jesus as Lord, continue to live your lives in him, rooted and built up in him, strengthened in the faith as you were taught, and overflowing with thankfulness. See to it that no one takes you captive through hollow and deceptive philosophy, which depends on human tradition and the elemental spiritual forces of this world rather than on Christ. For in Christ, all the fullness of the deity lives in the bodily form. And in Christ, you have been brought to fullness. He is the head over every power and authority. All right, so let's, let's, take, let's take this kind of piece by piece here. Let's start with that. Um, so the, the beginning there, verses six through seven. Uh, see to it that no one... Make sure I'm on the right slide, right slide here. See to it that no one takes you captive. Oh, that's the wrong one. So then, just as you received Christ Jesus as Lord, continue to live your lives in him, rooted and built up in him, 
strengthened in the faith as you are taught and overflowing with thankfulness. So we see some of the same imagery here. We see some of the same imagery here, but, but just kind of different. It's the same idea, though, to be rooted and built up in him. So, so in this particular case, we're not looking at a building, but rather some kind of plant, maybe a tree. And that's another illustration of our faith. But the parallel of the foundation of the stones would be the roots of the tree. And that's where we're to, to be built up, rooted in Christ, founded in Christ. So same, same idea here. And, and Paul tells us here that just as you received Christ Jesus, continue to live your lives in him. And how did we receive Christ Jesus? Well, Ephesians 2.8 tells us, well, it's by grace through faith that we've received Christ Jesus. And, and what Paul is telling us in this passage is the same way we've received him is how we're to walk with him. So he's telling us we're to walk with him by God's grace through faith. Moving on then to um, verse eight, see to it that no one takes you captive through hollow and deceptive philosophy, which depends on human tradition and the elemental spiritual forces of this world rather than Christ. I'm not going to spend a lot of time on this. Remember, Paul was writing this letter to the church of Colossae, and they had some very specific confusions, some, some false teachings that they were um, subjected to. And, and so he was addressing that specifically. But the idea is really applicable to us here, right? Don't get sucked in to what the world is feeding you. Don't get sucked into what the world would have you believe. See, in all of us, there's this sense, just like was in Jerry's life, there's this sense of searching for answers, this sense of searching for a completeness, something that will satisfy us and fulfill us. And the world is, is not always looking for that in Christ, kind of looking for love in all the wrong places, if you will, right? So what Paul is reminding them is, no, stay focused on Christ. Don't get lost in what the world would have you. And it's easy to do, right? It's easy for all of us to do that, to get lost in the ways of the world because, I mean, that's kind of natural for us. And, and on top of that, we're kind of awesome, aren't we? I mean, as mankind, we, we kind of do some cool things. Look at some of the things we've accomplished. Even, even back in thousands of years ago, we as mankind built this huge tower that God had to come in and say, you know what? We're going to put an end to this, and he scattered everybody, right? And then, and then look at even today. We can get on an airplane and fly to the other side of the globe in a matter of hours. We can get in a, an aircraft and actually leave this globe and go into outer space. And that's pretty cool. We, we've got telescopes that can see millions of miles away. Just look at what we're doing today. The technology that we have now that we didn't have just a matter of a few years ago where, where you can tune in and, and see us and, and, and we can all be connected across the globe, literally, in real time. Our small groups can meet almost face-to-face -face in real time and have conversations with each other from the comfort of our own individual homes. So, so we're capable of doing some really cool things as mankind. Now, for those of us that are, are believers or are familiar with, with the teachings of the Bible, we understand that we have that capability because of the way God has gifted us. But the reality is, half the world doesn't believe that right? Or, or isn't aware of that. And whether you believe it or not, uh, it, it's still true that we are capable of some cool things. But if you get lost in that, if we just see what we can accomplish right here on earth, then we can get lost in ourselves and think we've got the answers, right? And that's what we're searching for now. We've got a world out there that's lost in this really confusing time and we're searching for answers. 
And we're searching for answers in, in medical professionals, in, in politicians, in, in, in maybe the bottle, whatever it is that, that you're going to for answers here. And we've got to understand what's Paul tell us. Don't look for the answers there. Don't look for things that depend upon human tradition or these spiritual forces. Rather, focus on So That's where we're going now. Next verse here, verse nine of this Colossians 2 passage says, for in Christ, all the fullness of deity lives in bodily form. So he's saying, don't pay attention to the other things, focus on Christ. Why? Because in Christ, all the fullness of the deity lives in bodily form. So that's what we're gonna focus on for just for for a few minutes here. Um, We're gonna spend some time talking about what that means, that the fullness of God of the deity is in Christ. Because it's important for us to, if we, if we rewind ourselves 11 weeks, to remember who Jesus is. Right? Jesus, Jesus said to his disciples, who, who, who do the people say I am? And he said, well, some people say you're, you're a, you know, just a, a prophet. Some people say you're a prophet of old, in fact, you know, Elijah. Or, or, they gave him these different answers. You're a fine teacher. And we see those same answers when we ask people today, well, who's Jesus? Well, Jesus was a good man, right? Jesus did a lot of nice things and, and he helped a lot of people and he taught positive things. But it's important for us to step back and really look at the wholeness of Jesus. If we're gonna build our lives on this, and cap our lives with this. We want to have a complete and accurate picture of him. So who is he? Who is Christ? Well, Christ is the son, the second person of the Trinity, right? We've got the the father, the son, and the Holy Spirit, three members of the Trinity, one singular God, three persons. The son is the second person of that Trinity. The son was not just simply born in a manger, right? The son has, exi- has existed in all of eternity past. Revelation twenty two thirteen. This is, so this is actually, so the first chapter of Revelation, we see God the Father. John, John writes of God the Father saying, I'm the Alpha and the Omega. But later, the last chapter of Revelation, chapter 22, Jesus says it himself. This is Jesus speaking. He says, I am the Alpha and the Omega, the first and the last, the beginning and the end. This is Jesus speaking of himself, referring to himself in, in his eternal form. So what's significant about this? Well, this, this alpha and omega are the, the letters of the alphabet, and alpha being the first, omega being the last. The picture here is that nothing comes before Jesus. There's nothing has existed before him. He's the alpha. He's the beginning. Our brains can't really, my brain can't wrap around this idea of this eternity past, never not existing, but that's the sun. He's the omega. Nothing can follow him. Nothing will outlast him or outlive him. This is, this is uniquely glorious, okay? This is unlike anything else ever possibly. This, this unique position of God in eternity and the son is part of that. Same author that wrote uh, the book of Revelation authored uh, the book of John. Uh, in the beginning was the word and the word was with God and the word was God. He was with God in the beginning. Through him, all things were made. Without him, nothing was made that has been made. Again, this is the apostle John describing Jesus, describing the son. 
And at this point, he's describing this, this deity, right? That, that's been there forever, creating all things. And that gives us a picture of, of the holiness and the gloriousness of, of Christ, the Son. Jesus himself, in John chapter 17, he's praying. Jesus is praying to the Father, and he says, and now, Father, glorify me in your presence. With what? With the glory I had with you before the world began. Again, this is Jesus testifying to his own eternality. This is Jesus saying, God, you remember, you remember how it was before I was stuck in this stupid body? You remember how glorious that was? Man, I miss that. Refresh me, remind me of that gloriousness, God. So, so, so even in his human form, he had that connectedness to God the Father. John, let's go back to, to John's introduction to his book. This is a few verses after he says, he's the word in the beginning and the word was, was with God and the word was God. A few verses later, he says, now the word became flesh and made his dwelling among us. We have seen his glory, the glory of the one and only son who came from the father, full of grace and truth. So again, just describing that picture of who, who Jesus is on earth, who he was in heaven and who eternally will be. Colossians, uh, again, this is not where we started in Colossians, this is chapter one, kind of describes the same thing here. The son is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn over all creation. For in him, all things were created, things in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or powers or rulers or authorities, all things have been created through him and for him. He is before all things and in him all things hold together. So we're starting to see this picture now, that, that last sentence I love, and in him all things hold together. Again, remember we talked about capstone, this idea of this structure on top that kind of ties everything together. Holds it all together. So we, we see this beautiful description here of, of this eternal Christ, the Son, and that he is on earth dwelling among us, and he still is do that same, that same honor. So that's a clear statement of both the everlasting deity of the Son of God and, and who he is on earth. This same God that bled and died on the cross for us. That, that's, that's who this Jesus is. This is the Christ we serve. This is the Christ to whom we sing, right? I mean, who else do we, we sing to, right? Like, like these songs we were up here singing before. You're the cornerstone, this name of Jesus. There's nothing like it, right? This, this is not just a prophet. You know, when, when uh, Jesus took his, his closest friends, his closest disciples up on the mountain, at the transfiguration, they, they had this image of, oh, here's Jesus with these other old prophets, Moses and Elijah, maybe we should treat him like them. But God said, no, no, he's, he's, not, he's not like them, he's, he's different. He's my son with whom I'm pleased, all right? He, he's set apart, he's different, he's, he's worthy of our praise like nothing else. That's who Christ is. If he did nothing but sit on his throne, He's perfect and worthy of our praise. He's perfect and worthy of us following him if he had no relationship with us other than just existing because he's that amazing and awesome, right? 
That's, that's the Christ we get to serve. How many of us have been somewhere like the Grand Canyon or last summer, the, some of the men went up on the mountain and we, we stood on top of Cloud Peak and you're just looking across this great divide between you and these other peaks. You look down at Glacier Lake, you look out in the distance, you see Lake DeSmit and, and you realize, man, we are little. You ever been on a, on a, out on the ocean and you look around yourself and all you see is this level blue horizon that just kind of blends in with the sky. And you think, I am so puny, right? That's one of the things I love about Wyoming is the solace of open space, that, that it just reminds us of the glory of God. And so when you're standing there at the Grand Canyon looking out beyond this and that feeling that fills you up, that's, that's the glory of God speaking to you. That's what we're longing for. And that is wrapped up in this Christ that we serve. In Christ, you have been brought, let me catch up here. In Christ, you have been brought to fullness. He is the head over every power and authority. So now we're back in Colossians 2 where we started. So this is the verse that follows that the, uh, in Christ, the full the whole fullness of deity exists. And in Christ, you have been brought to fullness. So, so that's kind of the, the image we're chasing today. That, that's, that's what we're after, is in Christ, you have been brought to fullness. Some translations, instead of fullness, say complete. That in Christ, you've been made complete. Now remember, this is on the heels of Paul teaching us that the whole deity is in Christ. And that Christ, that son, is what completes us. That line is really where we're going to spend the remainder of our time this morning. How are we brought to fullness or completed? Well, Jesus is the author and perfecter of our faith. And that's got, again, this kind of connotation of cornerstone and capstone, right? He, he's the, some translations say author, some translations say the pioneer or the uh, um, founder of our faith, that idea that, that he's giving it to us in its most basic form. But he's not just doing that and saying, okay, do what you want with it. He's then in our lives perfecting that faith. He's building all these blocks up in us that we might have the fullness of God. Ephesians 2.10 says, for we are God's handiwork created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. So again, we're looking at, well, how, how does this apply to me? How is it that Christ fills me or fulfills me or completes me? Well, we're looking at a few different verses here that explain this. We're gonna bring them all together. For we are God's handiwork created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. So is that our purpose? Are we simply created to do good works? Well, bear with me. We'll get there. He does have a divine purpose for us, and he does have works for us to do. But that's not the, that's not the final picture. That's not the capstone. That would be to just do God's good works that he has in store for us would be to live out this stack that we have, this first 11 stacks without the capstone, all right? So Isaiah chapter 43, verse seven says, everyone who is called by my name, whom I created for what? 
whom I created for my glory, whom I formed and made. Again, Jesus goes on in his same prayer that we talked about a little bit ago, uh, where he says, God, bring me back to that glory. This is a continuation of that prayer. He says, Father, I want those you have given me to be with me where I am and to see my glory. The glory you have given me because you loved me before the creation of the world. So Christ desires for us to share in this glory, to be a witness of his glory, to partake in that glory with him. And finally, Jesus again teaches in Matthew chapter five. He says, in the same way, let your light shine before others, all right? That they may see your good deeds so we've got two things there, right? Let your light shine and your good deeds. That's what we were just talking about back in Ephesians 2.10. Christ has good works for us that he's designed for us to do. That's them being applied here. Jesus is teaching that here. Let your light shine before others that they may see your good deeds and what? And glorify your Father in heaven. You see, that's, that's the purpose of the works that God has in store for us. That's the purpose of God's design for each of us. He has things for us to do, things we're called to do, but the ultimate purpose of our calling is to be a witness of the glory of God. Glorifying God is our created purpose. We've talked a lot, even in, even in these, um, these services where we've been over these, these building stones. And, and before that, we've, we've talked a lot in this congregation about how God has uniquely designed each one of us to do different things. We're all many parts to the same body, right? Some of us a hand, some of us our ears, some of us our uh, mouth, whatever God has designed for you to do. It's all unique, right? But it all shares the same purpose. It all shares the same purpose to glorify God. That's why God has designed us uniquely and purposefully. So uh, I, I don't think most of us listening to this are going to disagree with that being true, right? Intellectually, we can say, yes, my ultimate design and purpose is to glorify God. That's why he has designed me the way he has designed me. That, that's, that's not hard for us to swallow. I think that sounds pretty Christian, right? I mean, that sounds like something we should get on board with. But here's the challenge. Are we, are, are we living it? Are we living like that? Have we, have we taken that from our head to intellectually say, yes, that's true, I buy that, to, to our heart, to the way we live? It's harder than, than, than it sounds, actually. You see, there's, there's, there's kind of four different perspectives of people. There are, and they're kind of divided into two groups. We've got non-believers and believers. And within that, there's some other groups. So in, in non-believers, the first kind of perspective, the first kind of person is someone who just flatly rejects God in, in all things biblical, rejects all things Christ-like, right? He says, I don't, have, I don't have any time for that garbage, right? He says, I don't need it. Keep it away from me, all right? The second kind of non-believer would be one who, who has not stepped across that threshold of faith to, to invite Christ to have a personal relationship with him. But they recognize that biblical principles are useful, right? That, well, I mean, I can, I can, I understand. I, I'll buy into having one spouse and being devoted to that person. I'll buy into that. I'll buy into treating others the way I want to be treated. Uh, that, that makes sense to me. They're, they're, not, they're not to the point of giving their lives to Christ, but they understand there's value in some of these biblical principles. That's the first two kind of people. And, and, and here's the reality of those two kind of people. Both of them, both of them can have happy, fruitful, 
and in productive lives here on earth. Maybe you are one. Maybe you are a person who, who doesn't have a relationship with God, and you don't really feel like you need it because you've got a devoted marriage. Things are going great for you. You've got kids who, who love you and who you adore, great kids. You've got a job, treats you well. You've got great coworkers. You've got a little scratch in your pocket. Th- things are going well for you. And, and, and the reality is, is you don't need to have a personal relationship with Jesus Christ to have all those things. We don't get that a lot from the pulpit. That's, that's the truth, okay? In fact, it's not even all that hard. Those people that aren't believers and have all that stuff, they can, they can still be great. I mean, they can still be generous with their money. They can still be uh, that neighbor that's going to come help you out whenever you need. We, we admire those people. We love those people. And if that's all there was, if life was only about the, the dash between the dates, if if life was just about what happened between the two of those, that's enough. That's sufficient to get through life. That's sufficient to get you to your grave. And then you'd just be like Jerry, right? You'd be just like Jerry, seeking these hollow things and thinking you've been fulfilled, thinking you've been satisfied, feeling happiness, but but never actually being fulfilled for what we've been designed for. Because the reality is we have not been designed for the dash between the dates. We have not been designed exclusively for this earth. In fact, we've been designed for much more than that. We've been designed for life beyond this this ball of lava and and rocks, right? And 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 if you don't care about that, if you don't have any longing for that, it doesn't make it not true. It's still true. But but it only matters to you what we're, what we're talking about here, this relationship with Christ, this capstone, if that's relevant to you. And the, the news is it is relevant to you. You just might not know it yet. So the other two kinds of people then are believers, right? So we've got those kind of believers that we probably kind of are and those kind of believers that we want to be, right? Again, both are believers, so the first kind of believer is, is the believer who has uh, built their faith on the first 11 stones. That, that's, the, that's the first believer. Believer, I, I have accepted Christ. I acknowledge that Christ is my savior. I'm a sinner and I need Jesus, all right? I'm a believer and I'm living my life according to these principles that we've been talking about. Truth, hope, community, uh, the gospel, all these things are valuable to me. But there's a risk that these believers myself included, probably all of us to a degree at some point, that we become very people-centric in our faith. Here's what I mean by that. We have a tendency to make Christianity about us. We have a tendency to make Jesus about my well-being, about my hope, my salvation, my blessing. And what we want to be is the kind of believer that's built on the cornerstone and has the capstone built in. And, and there's a subtle difference here, but it's important, right? We don't want to be a believer who is simply built on the cornerstone but lacks the capstone. Now, don't get me wrong. Don't send angry emails to Pastor Try or Pastor Mike that I'm, that I'm teaching that there's more than just believing in Christ. That's, that's what it is. That's what salvation is, right? Is, 
is, is the cornerstone. You, you acknowledge, right? We admit that we're a sinner. We, we believe that Jesus is who he says he is and we choose to follow him. That's, that's, that's what salvation looks like, right? Believing in that, having that relationship with Christ. But where we take it from there, how we get to that completeness, that, that perfection of our faith, that's what we're talking about right now. I love the way that John Piper says this. He's got this beautiful little book that I just love. It's called Seeing and Savoring Jesus Christ. And it's a small book. I would encourage you to read it. It's, it's worth the time. It doesn't take long to read. And it's just this gorgeous reflection of who Jesus is. And he says in there, he says, Christ does not exist in order to make much of us. We exist in order to enjoy making much of him. To know the glories of Christ is an end, not a means. Christ is not glorious so that we get wealthy or healthy. Christ is glorious so that rich or poor, sick or sound, we might be satisfied in him. Isn't that cool? Isn't that neat, this idea that, that he is the end, his glory is the end, not my well-being, not even my salvation. Christ is not simply a means to a happier, healthier life for us on earth. But we do that sometimes, I think. We, we make it about us. We make Christianity about us. And here's, here's what I mean. We see this in our evangelism sometimes, don't we? Think about the people you want to share Christ with. Why is it you want to share Christ with them? Because they're broken, right? We, we see this need in people's life. That person needs Jesus, right? That person needs to be fixed by Jesus. If they only knew Jesus, they could be better. Or you might introduce it to somebody and say, let me tell you about a God that can change your life, right? Now, don't get me wrong. I don't want to discourage that. This is good. These are good, good things because that's what Christ does in our lives. He does change us. That's, that's part of what he does. That's part of his good works to the glory of the Father, right? Is he changes our lives, physically, spiritually, both, all. Not, not sometimes everything we want, but that's what he does. But if we stop there, if we make that the ultimate, if I say, my brother, my, my brother needs Jesus so that he can live a happier, healthier life, we're incomplete in that, right? Because Jesus is worthy of being followed whether he can fix my brother or not. What we ought to be doing, what we ought to be aiming for is to proclaim to everybody, whether they appear broken or not, do you know how good Jesus is? Do you know how great and awesome and supreme and glorious Christ is? And why can't that be enough to attract people? We see this not just in the way we evangelize, but we see this in our own contentment sometimes. We oftentimes say, you know, look, I trust God. I might be miserable right now, but I trust that God is going to fulfill in me something wonderful. I trust that God is going to bring me salvation. God is going to bring me some kind of satisfaction that I'm missing right now. I'm missing it, but look, I love God and I trust that he's gonna get me to that point of satisfaction. God will eventually satisfy me with fill in the blank. God will eventually satisfy me with relief from addiction. God will eventually satisfy me with a spouse. God will eventually satisfy me with kids uh, who, who, who will actually show me some affection, right? 
God will eventually satisfy me with healing from this bodily sickness that ails me. And I hope God does. Don't get me wrong. I, I hope he does. And it's, I, I also, I don't want you to feel like you shouldn't be longing for those things and, and prayerfully seeking those things. But don't let those things become your capstone. That's the danger here, right? Again, God may bless you with those things, but whether he does or doesn't, the point is he's still enough right now. Even in your misery, even in your, your suffering, you're missing out on whatever you want. Even in that state, Christ is enough to satisfy you just like he is, just like you are. There's a difference between being satisfied in God and being content with waiting on God to bring satisfaction. Okay? There's a subtle difference there, but we have to learn to be satisfied in God right now, just like he is, just like I am. Here's, here's the trap. Here's what happens to us. You say to yourself, look, I trust God to deliver me satisfaction. If you start going down that slippery path, then you start to become focused on those things in the distance. And while you're, you're waking up every morning, uh, impatiently waiting on God to do this in your life, to bring you a spouse, or to bring you relief. Well, while you're doing this, you wake up every day, you spend time in God's word, you're doing everything right, you're meditating on it, you're spending time in prayer, talking with God, communing with God, and, and you're singing amazing grace in your sleep, and you're doing all the right things. And while you're doing all this stuff, you're still broken. You're st God, God's not there yet. But you see your neighbor. You see the lady at work. You see the guy who lives two doors down. That person who despises the name of Christ, you know they do. And they get the promotion at work. That person gets the healing. She has the spouse who adores her. He has the promotion at work, right? This person who you know has no relationship with Christ, who you know isn't doing the right things, they're receiving this blessing. And that, that hurts you because you've been longing for it. And then what happens is you become frustrated. You become frustrated with the creator of the universe as if he's not enough, just like he is. He's enough, just like he is. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego were, were awestruck by the glory of God. They recognized that he was worthy of their praise and that their purpose was to praise him for who he is, not for what he had done, but who he was. They knew because of his greatness, he was capable to deliver them from the fiery furnace. But they said, you know what? Even if he doesn't, even if he doesn't deliver us, we're good, right? We're so comfortable in our faith and we know that he's good, whether we burn or not. He's worthy of our praise. That's, that's where we need to be. You see, they didn't condition their praise of Jesus on what he would do for them. And I, I know you're probably not doing that, at, at least not initially, right? But again, here's the risk. How, how, long, how long do you wait? How long are you willing to wait? If you're waiting to be satisfied with what God might bring in your life, how long are you gonna wait for healing for your body, for relief from your depression, the funk that you've been sitting in, just knowing that there's gotta be something better for you. And you've been sitting around waiting on God to change you. How long are you gonna wait before you become frustrated? How long are you gonna wait for God to change your spouse so that he or she stops hurting you? 
These are real struggles. If we get focused on that, on what's to come, we lose sight of how good God is right now in my life and what he has to offer us. See, what we do is we make that blessing, that thing we're longing for, we make that our capstone. If we make anything other than the glory of God our capstone, then we're incomplete. Look, we can, be, we can be out bushwhacking through the jungle to share the good news of Jesus with people who wouldn't otherwise know it. But if we make the great commission, our capstone, our ultimate, then we're incomplete. Mary and Martha. Martha says, Jesus, she, she's, not, she, she's just sitting there and I'm doing all the work. And he says, look, she's made the main thing the main thing. That's good. We gotta make the main thing the main thing. What's the main thing? Our purpose, our ultimate purpose to bring glory to God. If we make teaching our kids um, in the, the ways of the Lord, our capstone, we're incomplete. If we make our own salvation the capstone, we're incomplete. See, all these things are good, but all these things are a means to an end. Even my own redemption, my own sanctification, my salvation, all these things are, are good works Christ is doing in me, but they're not the end. They're just the means to the end. The point of Jesus is Jesus not me. The point of what he's doing in my life, my regeneration, my sanctification, my salvation, the point is still Jesus, not me. Jesus is the glory of God, and, and that's where we have to return our focus. I love this church. I love this church body. We have a slogan here. It's, it's come as you are. A lot of you are here because of that, because we want to welcome you in the doors here or welcome you online, just like you are, whether you're sitting at home in your underwear or I'd, I'd rather you put pants on, please. But, but in any case, however you come, just come as you are. We hope you don't leave the same, but we just, we just want you to come. Now, here's, here's the risk with that. There, there's a risk with that. The risk with this approach in church is that He wants that. He doesn't want us to stay like that because when we're in God's presence, don't forget, we are in God's presence. The, the eternal creator of all things has a relationship with us and that is worth us giving our best to that. And we've got to be careful to give honor where it's due with Christ. He, he, is, he is so beautiful and, and satisfying for whatever is longing for you. He is enough for you right now. You gotta take shelter in him just like he is, just like you are, and let him perfect your faith so that you might be a witness and a partaker in his glory. I wanna just close with this reflection that we've got on the screen here on this. Slide. This is again, we've, we've been over this passage. This is Matthew chapter uh, 5. In the same way, let your light shine before others that they may see your good deeds, the way you live your life, the way you express yourself, that, that, that they may see that and glorify your Father in, in heaven. Let's pray. Father, what a beautiful thing it is to, to be your creation, to know that we are, are uh, 
fearfully and wonderfully made in your, in your image, God. And just like you had this beautiful purpose to, to live here on earth and to uh, exalt the Father and to bring glory to, to, to God Almighty, that we might also share in that and that you would transform the desires of your heart as we draw near to you, that we wouldn't sacrifice anything, Lord, except our old self, and that you would glorify us as you have glorified your son, Lord. We, we thank you for this uh, word that you've given us, and we pray, Father, that you would bless our families in this, in this time of, of uh, almost hopelessness for many, God, that you would remind us of your goodness and your self-sufficiency just the way you are, that you don't need us to give you purpose, Lord. We need you to give us purpose. So we thank you for that and, and, and pray, Father, that you would uh, just continue to wonderfully work in our lives. In your name we pray, amen.